Returning players could create a squeeze for the Angels and Astros, and DJ LeMahieu refuses to stop hitting. Like death and taxes, Dodger's been a Dodger. <laughs> I have but, not had uh, three co-brews uh, yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15. On The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Thursday, August 13th. I'm Al Melkier. I am here with Michael Beller. And Michael, let's start off by talking a little bit about David Fletcher. Uh, I know we talked a little bit about him offline. And, um, you know, he's had a really exciting and, and just very productive beginning to the 2020 season, batting 303. He's already scored 12 runs, 9 RBIs, and a little bit of power-speed combo with three homers and two steals. And maybe some, well, actually uh, very much some good news for Fletcher. Uh, Andrelton Simmons is on the verge of returning. And according to Mike D. Giovanna of the Los Angeles Times, uh, Fletcher's going to remain in the lineup pretty much on an everyday basis when Simmons comes back. So how do you read this situation? Is this maybe uh, peaking Fletcher's to such, Fletcher's value to such a point that you can sell him? Uh, is, are there players that you're worried about maybe who are going to lose playing time with Fletcher remaining as an everyday player? Uh, what do we need to know here? I guess you could look to sell him. It's something that I'm not really that into, and I have David Fletcher uh, in a league that I care about very much, and I will certainly field offers for him, but it's not something I'm looking to do. The power may be a little bit of an anomaly. Three homers already this year. Last year, in 653 plate appearances, he had six homers, so maybe don't expect that power to keep up, but everything else he has done in terms of his batting average, his on-base ability, his ability to draw walks, uh, that is something that he showed us last year. The speed, too. He stole eight bases. He's already got two steals this season. Everything else other than the power is something that he has proved himself capable of doing. Uh, He's got an everyday job now that should not come as a surprise. Joe Madden going all the way back to spring training 1.0 back in February. Just could not say enough great things about it. This guy clearly uh, saw in him his new Ben Zobrist, a guy who he loved in Tampa, a guy who he loved in Chicago, and now he's got a version of that in Los Angeles, and I think that this is great news, uh, not only for Fletcher, but for the guys behind him in Los Angeles's lineup, because you are now locking in a very high OBP guy in that number one spot, so great news for Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, Shohei Otani. Uh, I do worry a little bit about what this means for Tommy LaStella, but with how well he's playing, I think you got to find him uh, plenty of at-bats, especially against righties. He's always mashed righties in his career, whether it was Atlanta or Chicago, so I think LaStella is probably the next best guy there. I would be concerned if I was leaning on anyone else in this Angels lineup, even if it's Albert Pujols, uh, Justin Upton, anyone else like that. I don't know how much this is going to affect them, but I have to imagine they will be the most affected. And Lestella probably too, but still a good enough player that even if he is losing a little bit of playing time because of this, I still think you want to keep him around. Yeah, well, uh, I am a LaSalle owner in a couple of leagues, so uh, I'm hoping he plays enough that I can keep him because he's valuable in many of the same ways that Fletcher is, but we'll have to see how this plays out. Certainly uh, a possibility that LaSalle loses uh, a significant amount of playing time from a fantasy perspective. Uh, Not such great news about Aaron Judge. Um, He was out of the lineup against the Braves on Wednesday night with lower body tightness, And when Aaron Boone was asked about the situation and whether or not Judge would be ready to play this weekend, 
He said, well, Friday's a long way away. That's not the most encouraging quote to get. Um, I mean, he didn't rule out the possibility, but uh, how do you read this Yankee situation in terms of who might benefit uh, should Judge be out for a while? Yeah, Clint Frazier with his uh, return to the lineup uh, already looking pretty good. Got to think that he is going to be someone who uh, is going to stay in the lineup with uh, with Judge injured, with uh, Giancarlo Stanton on the IL. Those guys, should he should benefit uh, quite a bit from that. I also think Mike Talkman is someone who is uh, a little bit more interesting with Judge dealing with an injury. You know, Talkman uh, is showing some speed this year. Already got four or five steals, something right in that range. And uh, with speed being at a premium across the league, a guy who uh, can steal like that in limited time, getting a boost in playing time should make every fantasy owner pretty excited. Unless, of course, you're an Aaron Judge fantasy owner. You're probably not too excited about the prospect of additional Mike Talkman playing time. But anyone else who is looking for some help in that category certainly could find it in Talkman. Those are the two guys who interest me most. I suppose Mike Ford uh, is going to be in line for maybe more playing time, but he doesn't quite get my fantasy juices flowing the same way that Frazier and Talkman do. Those are the two guys who I would be looking to in this outfield. Yeah, fair enough there, fair enough. Uh, and yeah, Ford not off to the greatest start either, so that doesn't help his cause uh, very much. Uh, now, Justin Verlander is saying that he wants to start throwing as soon as next week, uh, according to a report from Brian McTaggart of MLB.com. Of course, Verlander's been out with a forearm, forearm strain since his first start of the season. Um, is there any reason to hang on to Verlander? Is there you know enough of a reason to think he'll he'll pitch again? I guess so. I mean, if you if you've got if you got him on an IL spot, obviously he's not hurting you at all. Um, I so if you right, like how many people are stashing Justin Verlander? I guess is what I'm saying. Probably not too many. Probably most people are got him in an IL spot. Uh, I still think it's uh, unlikely that we see him on a major league mound this season. Forearm strain always uh, two nasty words to put next to one another. Typically, it can lead to much bigger, more important, more serious things. Uh, So that is not good. Uh, The season not starting off well for the Houston Astros. And, you know, we're already uh, more than a fourth of the way through the season. So even if he's just starting to throw with a forearm strain next week, I mean, when do you get him back? How long do you get him back for? Uh, If you've got the IL spot, fine. If you don't have the IL spot, I don't know if I would necessarily be holding him just now. Uh, yeah, you know, it's probably not much risk or much cost of doing it, but uh, it does seem like a, an extreme long shot at this point. Also in some Astros news, Jordan Alvarez is close to returning. And according to Dusty Baker, that close could mean just a couple of days. So uh, that's been uh, a situation where we've been able to see uh, Michael Brantley and uh, Kyle Tucker, uh, Josh Reddick all in the lineup together. Uh, now with Alvarez possibly just a couple days away, who do you see as the playing time loser there? It's got to be Reddick, right? I mean, who else could it possibly be? I, I think it has to be Reddick. I mean, we know that Dusty Baker uh, has a longstanding bias in favor of veterans over youngsters, so that would maybe make you think Tucker. Um, I think it is both of them enough to an extent that they both are going to lose a lot of fantasy value. It's not going to be Michael Brantley. Michael Brantley is going to be just fine. I think Tucker and Reddick are going to be the two biggest losers. Reddick enough 
to the point where I think he's going to be droppable across the board wherever he's owned. I mean, however owned he is. Tucker, I would still wait and see because he's done enough and maybe he plays himself into a way where uh, Dusty Baker will give him enough playing time to still make him uh, fantasy relevant. And we know he's got some good category juice. So I'm not getting rid of him just yet. I'm assuming that if you're holding Reddick for the time being, the moment Jordan Alvarez gets back on the field, he's going to be cuttable. And uh, in some news from the Red Sox, Andrew Benintendi has been placed on the injured list with a strained rib cage. Sounds like he could be out for a while, though there's no uh, timetable at this point for Benintendi to return. So another playing time situation in flux there. Kevin Pillar would seem to be the obvious playing time gainer, uh, but is there maybe somebody else in the mix there? I mean, I think it's got to be Pilar, but whoever it is, I'm not interested in. You know exactly where I stand on this Boston team. It's just not a team I want to get involved with beyond their three obvious great players, Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts, J.D. Martinez. If I can have one of them, fine. If I can't, I'm not interested. I think this is a bad team headed for a bad season. It's not a great run scoring environment. It's not a great run producing environment. There's just not a whole lot to like outside of those three obvious guys. I think no matter what, you can do better than Kevin Pillar, whoever ends up taking over most of the playing time for Benintendi. All right. Yeah. So probably not too much to see there. Uh, we've got a few closer situations to update here, Michael. Uh, but before we do that, we've got a message from our friends at Indochino. All right, well, let's get to some closer talk. Uh, Keone Kella is uh, expected to be activated for the Pirates weekend series against the Reds. He'll be plugged directly back into that closers role. So uh, we've got uh, what should be a reliable source of saves um, from from this point forward. So uh, some good news there. Uh, I've got another Hansel Robles update. (laughs) So uh, I know this might seem like a strange thing to to keep hammering on, but uh, since Robles was removed as the Angels closer, he's pitched really well. And granted, it's been in pretty low leverage situations, but um, on Wednesday night, he did pitch the ninth inning with a deficit, albeit uh, against the Oakland Athletics, struck out all batters, all three batters that he faced and averaged nearly 96 miles an hour on his fastball. So that velocity seems to be ticking slightly up the performance has been much better. Um, is it time to go grab Robles and leagues where he was dropped? I don't know if you can do that just yet. I do think this is a sign of encouragement, and there is something to be said for getting out in front of what would be a competitive bid, which obviously it would be if Robles ended up taking the job back. I just don't think we've seen enough evidence of him getting that job back in the ninth inning to want to be the first person out there, the person who's most aggressive. It all is going to depend on what your roster looks like right now. If you've got a swing spot to play with, then I can see being that person. But if you're in a position where every single roster spot counts, and in a season like this, I think that describes most people playing fantasy baseball, I just don't think it has been that clear-cut a path just yet of Robles getting his way back to the ninth that you're going to want to be sacrificing a roster spot on a guy who maybe isn't getting the job back at all. And if he does get the job back, that could still be, you know, 10 days, two weeks down the line. Yeah. And uh, in that time, you could find some other sources of saves, Mm -hmm. maybe in the Cubs bullpen. Uh, It's a strange situation there. Roan Wick looked to be in the driver's seat. He had gotten two of the last three saves for the Cubs with Kyle Ryan, the lefty getting the, the third of those three. Uh, but uh, Wick was brought in in the seventh inning in a crucial situation at Cleveland on Wednesday night. And you raised an interesting uh, question uh, as we were playing this show, Michael, which is that um, 
Is this a situation to avoid just because of David Ross's usage patterns, maybe using his most trusted relievers in high leverage situations that aren't in the ninth inning? Yeah, um, as a baseball fan, I love to see a manager being smart. As a Cubs fan specifically, I love to see David Ross specifically being smart and getting who has been his most reliable reliever into a high leverage situation. For those of you who didn't see it, seventh inning, Cubs up 5-1, to one, two on, two out, Francisco Lindor at the plate. I want my best reliever. If I'm trying to win a baseball game, uh, I got to bet on that being the highest leverage situation that is going to happen over the next two and one-thirds innings. So I want my best reliever in that spot, and David Ross did that turning to Rowan Wick. Now, having said that, Rowan Wick then, uh, not you know obviously we got the three batter minimum, but he stayed in, pitched the eighth, struck out the side, looked awesome doing it. At that point, the Cubs attacked on a few more runs, and you're not going to tax Rowan Wick uh, any further beyond he already had been. Jeremy Jeffers came in and closed the game out in the ninth. So as annoying as it might have been for Rowan Wick owners to see him in that spot. A, I guess silver lining, he didn't lose a save opportunity anyways, uh, unless someone else came in and screwed it up, and then Rowan Wick would have been coming in in a save opportunity. And B, he still looked great. And that's the key here. So he is still going to be the ninth inning guy. I do think, however, that we have to watch out for David Ross being someone who is willing to go high leverage over defined roles in the Cubs bullpen. Yeah, well, definitely something uh, to keep an eye on. And uh, let's take a look at some of the uh, big performances or notable performances anyway from Wednesday's games. Uh, I think we got to start with DJ LeMahieu, uh, just another big game <laughs> for him. Uh, now, as we're recording this, the game is not quite over and already LeMahieu has four hits. Uh, three of them hard hit uh, as defined by uh, StatCast, meaning 95 miles an hour in exit velocity or greater. Uh, I don't know how LeMahieu is going to keep this up. I know a lot of us, myself included, were skeptics uh, that he would sustain the breakout level that uh, that he uh, that he set for himself in 2019. But um, I think there are other reasons to question it, too. Uh, His hard hit rate uh, coming into this game, a pretty pedestrian 37 percent. And plus, it's just it just seems like there's nowhere to go but down. I mean, that's probably true. And I was uh, maybe one of the biggest, definitely one of the biggest, if not the biggest, LeMahieu skeptic in our industry coming into this season, just based off of what his pre-Yankees career had been. But yeah, I'm ready to say uncle uh, at this point. I mean, I think he's proved me wrong. Uh, We are now more than a year into what has been a great run with the Yankees. I think we just got to trust what we've seen, trust the uh, bottom line numbers that DJ LeMayhew has put up. Obviously, I don't have him anywhere, and I'm sure I said something to the effect back in draft season of, if he proves me wrong, then so be it. I look like an idiot, and I don't have him anywhere. I guess I look like an idiot, Al. A lot of us do. Like I said, if I, <laughs> if I put it in writing, uh, my skepticism, and uh, so it's uh, there for everybody to see. Um, Garrett Hampson also uh, making some noise, a four-hit game for yes. him against the Diamondbacks, getting regular play. Leading off. Leading off, batting three twenty-five. Uh, I, I think this one's a no-brainer. It's just worth mentioning, but, I mean, if he's out there, you, you got to try to add him, right? Yes, and I think we can move on. All right. (laughs) One last standout performance, Zach Eflin. uh, It's a mixed bag. He gave up four runs in six innings, but 10 strikeouts against the Orioles and a really incredible 19 swings and misses on 91 pitches. Maybe you can chalk it up to the, uh, to the matchup here, but I think it's pretty impressive no matter what. 
I agree with you too. And while you can chalk up some of it to the matchup, these are still major league hitters. He's still getting 19 whiffs and 91 pitches. He's still getting 10 strikeouts against a legitimate major league lineup and a team that has probably been a little bit better than a lot of us expected it to be coming into this season. This is still a really good performance and encouraging performance. And anytime you're getting whiffs on about 22% of your pitches, that's going to open up some eyes as it should. Definitely a guy to keep an eye on going forward. Yeah, definitely a, a deep league uh, target uh, if he's out there for sure. And uh, I think well, so what we should all be targeting right now is the latest column from Michael Salfino. Great stuff from Michael in The Athletic. Buy, sell, hold, what to do with this season. Shocking fantasy all-stars. A lot of the players that we've been talking about on the show, uh, trying to figure out what to do with those players. Uh, Michael's got his own take on that, so be sure to read his column. And that's going to be it for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're listening to this podcast on a platform that lets you leave a rating and a review, we always do appreciate it when you take the time to do that. So for Michael Beller, I'm Al Melkier, and we'll be right back here on Friday 